five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Podcast on the internet. That was the great August Darnell, also known as Kid Creel. And uh, those were the coconuts, the lovely coconuts. Another girl has just aroused my male curiosity. I love it when he gets to that part in the song and the piano tinkles. Like, tinkle, tinkle, tinkle. Like, oh, my curiosity is being aroused. I saw them back in the day. They were amazing. Just an amazing group. Um, Kind of a cross between Cab Calloway and Prince. If you could uh, imagine that. Well, you saw the video, so maybe it's easier to imagine. Then maybe a little James Brown in there, too. Some of those James Brown moves, right? Um, The whole idea of a band like that is you'll never see that again. Never see that again, because you have to rehearse with all those people, right? I mean, the, to to play that music, which is fairly complex, there's a lot of time changes and all all this stuff going on, plus the choreography, like the pr- production, the produce, the 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 rehearsal and the production is pretty significant. Um, and then you got a band that you have to pay. It's not just a DJ and Dax sampler or whatever, right? It's like a whole freaking band. You'll never see that again. And it was a very unique fusion of that kind of uh, 50s jump sound with um, kind of Latin rhythms and funk. And um, very cool. He actually married one of the coconuts. I don't know if they're still together or not, but he married a coconut. I think it was the it was the middle coconut that uh, that he married. So, a little blast from the past. I've been wanting to play that for a while, and he was August Darnell, also known as uh, Kid Creel. He was really blowing up. Like there was the time when uh, Joseph Pabst, who was one of the big producers on Broadway produced Pirates of Penzance and when Broadway was a, was a thing back in the 80s. Uh, he def, he wanted to do a musical with uh, August Arnell, probably based on like a Copacabana nightclub shit or something like that. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what he's doing now, but they were really, really good. They were probably better live than they were with the studio records, although the studio records are good. But live, they were they were a spectacle, a good one. All right, welcome to the show. It is 15 Minutes of Flame. We are broadcasting live here on the 15 Minutes of Flame website, also live on BoxCast. You can tune in there. 
And we also stream live on Rumble on the 15 Minutes of Flame channel. Probably should have a few more channels. But uh, just a little more like work. Not undoable. Maybe some Odyssey and Rockfin. At least Odyssey. Anyway, so remember yesterday when we started the show? What song did I play? It's 24 hours. Let's see how good your memory is. Let me let me go into chat. Let's go into chat, Taria. Do you guys remember uh, what song I played yesterday? What's going on, TJ? Hanging laundry. Hanging laundry. Sony, 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 the classy one. 99.99% a zoot suit. He was a good zoot suiter. Hucklebuck411. What's up, Huck? Fantastic. CC Jones is here. Cotton Club. That might have been the Cotton Club. That seems like it. Um, let's see. Detefer. That's some funky music. Yeah. Another girl has aroused my male curiosity. Victoria looks like a real bitch because she is one. Queen Victoria, the dark queen, the dark queen of the neocons. Mora, Mora, what's happening? Good morning to you. I uh, feel like dancing at the Coconut Grove back in the day. Those are some good times, man. I saw them like 1983, Old Waldorf. At that time, I think it was now, it was Wolfgang's, known after uh, Bill Graham, which was his name, Wolfgang. It wasn't Bill. Um, were the Zoot Suits riots in the 40s? Yes, that was in L.A. Then the drum, boom, 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 boom. Hi, KK. Good to see you, Catherine Kramer. Africa, you got it. Something about the rains in Africa. Good, Toto. And your dog, Toto, too. Yes. So check this out. You got to check this out. This is from... Uh, this is from Twitter. This is just posted today. <laughs> you love this shit. A 7-Eleven owner in L.A. is playing Toto's Africa 24 hours a day on endless repeat and apparently is keeping away the homeless. And we just played Africa by Toto. Sink! Here, I'll play the video. Proof that the 7-Eleven is still playing Toto's Africa, 24 hours a day. See? No sound manipulation. This is the actual recorded audio. Somehow playing this song has eradicated the homeless problem here. I 
I don't know how. Speakers are all over. You'll find Toto's Africa filling this street corner 24 hours a day till the end of eternity. <laughs> and we were just playing that yesterday. Isn't that, isn't that a hoot? Sink. All right. Let's see where you guys are. That is a total hoot. Here we go. But, but, but uh, there it is. Uh, let's see. Saw that yesterday. I did. I did not see that yesterday. And the attendant has. So I don't know if it's in the, in the inside or the outside. I almost said something about those rains yesterday. Um, it was very forgettable. Well, not everybody can be. Brain Zappa and Henry Kaiser with their creative caterwaul. Yep, you got it right, Fran. Fran get Fran gets the uh she gets the snow cone. I think it's amazing. And I didn't see that yesterday. It was just it happened. The universe sometimes slides into its uh its attendant uh parts and pieces. All right, so let's let's talk a little bit more about what is going on in Africa. So yesterday when I did the show, um, you know, I wasn't trying to fall for the drama or dramatize the event. No. What I was attempting to do was de-dramatize the event, actually. That's what I was, that's what I was doing you know, the, to get people aware of the fact that the programming and the propaganda is being moved into place. That was my attempt. I look, most of this is cultivated and engineered as we've seen. And at the same time, uh, a lot of people Fall forward, hook, line, and sinker. So that's what I was attempting to do when I did it, when I brought it up. But we're going to return to the scene of the crime, um, which is Africa. Now, Vicky Newland has landed in Niger. She just, she just cannot. Okay. How many politicians do we hear from? Constantly. Constantly. And not just the ones that are in office, but the ones running for office. Let's just do a quick name check. Ron DeSantis. Donald Trump. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. I guess we could throw Gavin Newsom in there. Although he's been a little quiet lately. Vivek Ramaswamy. Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, let's see who else. 
Uh, oh, Nikki Haley. Can't forget Nikki Haley. And these are people that are running for president. These aren't people uh, that that are in the government themselves who have never, ever shorted themselves uh, the opportunity to state an opinion, have a platform, right? Nobody talks about this woman. Nobody brings her up. Nobody talks about Vicki Newland. Nobody talks about the neocons. Nobody talks about the Kagans. Why? Question mark. Why? I'll tell you why. It's because those people get campaign funds from the same people that the Kagans and the Crystals and Potteritzes and all the neocons who helped create the situation that we're in. They get contributions from the same people that they do work for, which is the military industrial complex and the defense department. That's why you don't hear a peep because they're on the same payroll. Somebody needs to start talking about these people because they're the ones it's a small group. We're talking roughly one three families and and then their attended minions who drive this policy the kagans the crystals the potteritzes there you go there there is your neocon mafia and what did they do they all got together pre-9-11 through brookings through Jinsa, AEI, I don't. One of them is gone. I think AEI is gone now. These are all think tanks, and they cooked up what a clear break, the clear break strategy, and the clear break strategy was a strategy that would be based on. Preemptive strikes, not coming to the aid of a country, not defending the country and perhaps its own interests. I'm talking about defending none of that. It was all like, we see a threat and we will go after the threat. Where do you see that? You see that you see it in Israel, in Gaza, and in Palestine, right? Gaza and the, and the West Bank. You will see this if they think that somebody is a so-called terrorist, they'll knock their fucking house down or their apartment down. They'll do it. It's the same strategy. It's the same preemptive strike. That's how it works. But nobody nobody says, "Look, you go down in this rabbit hole." You'll get into the clear break doctrine. You'll get into the Patriot Act, which again, they helped cook up. Then that leads you right into 9-11. Oh, here's the event we've been looking for. Isn't that just peachy? We now have the event that we've been looking for, the clear break event. And then once they pass the Patriot Act and all of the attendant 
little pieces around it. We have been in a paradigm of war without end, which is what they want. It started with Afghanistan, went to Iraq. You guys know the 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 uh, the tour circuit here, and now they're moving the war theater to Africa. They're telling you exactly what they want to do. In 2014, this woman was in charge of essentially creating a massive coup. Now, and the coup is in Ukraine. We we know and understand uh, why that happened. On a, on a number of levels, like you had Joe Biden over there. You had Joe Biden over there. And the guy that they ousted was the guy that had some dirt on Biden and Hunter Yanukovych, right? That's the guy. So part of the whole Ukraine piece, not all of it, but part of it was covering their tracks. Now, if the big guy gets 10%, what do you think these other people get? You think, you think the Biden crime family just does these deals on their own. Oh no. They actually have to kick out to these other crime families. And I, I I've talked about this before. And it's one of the reasons why Hillary Clinton lost out to Barack Obama uh, in 2008. Apparently during that time, Bill Clinton had, had done a deal. And the deal that he had done was with China. And it was a, a kind of, an, you know, we look at these numbers and we think it's a minor deal. I think he made, I don't know, something like $16 million or something. They wanted a cut, right? Whoever the they are, it's probably the other families. They wanted a cut and they didn't get a cut. And so what happened? They punished him by tilting the election in, uh, in, in Obama's direction in 2008 away from Hillary. So the Bidens, when they do these deals, they're not just operating as an independent, corrupt political family. They've got to cut people in, right? That's the other side of this whole thing. You, they, they don't operate in a vacuum. So Newland and uh, her, her crew basically went in there, cleaned up, uh, and then started a new operation in Ukraine. There's multiple facets with Ukraine, which we, we've talked about. And now there's this. Now there's this wonderful new development. All right, let's read this. Acting Deputy Secretary of State Victoria Newland made a surprise visit to Nigeria's capital of Niarni on Monday, where she had a difficult, which had difficult talks with Nigeria's junta leadership after it ousted President Mohamed Bazoum late last month. Okay, so let's just for the sake of demonstration, believe that this is real. Could you imagine her having a conversation with this dude? I'm assuming I don't know which one of these guys is is uh is the the new tyrant. 
Could you imagine what kind of conversation they're having with her? I, I would love to be a fly in the wall. Newland announced of the risky visit given the country has just undergone a coup. It should be noted that U.S. officials have yet to tr- use the term coup to describe the situation. Newland now is the State Department number two. So she's right behind Tony Blinken. Remember, she sat out during Trump. That should tell you something. I'd love Trump to like bring up the neocons at some point, uh, but he's not going to do that. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken briefed reporters after meeting with military leadership, describing that conversations were extremely frank. <laughs> I bet. I bet. What are you doing? Come in, you, you fat bitch. Go back to Ukraine. We will give you some biscuits to take with you, you big fat bitch. That's Frank. And I bet you Newland could probably sit there and go toe-to-toe with these people. I mean, look at that face. Excuse me? Excuse me, you petty-ass tyrant? Who do you think you are? We made you. (laughs) You might have think you've made me. But now I'm going to make you... I'm going to make you my slave. Yes, that's how frank it would be. Uh, she noted that the military leaders were quite firm in their view on how they want to proceed. It does not comport with the Constitution of Niger. Oh, I'd love to read the Constitution of Niger. But you, that's some inspired reading. The junta has not indeed not budged. So it's been called a junta and a putsch. How about that? And a coup. A junta a junta putsch coup. The junta has indeed not budged amid external pressure, even as the neighboring and West friendly bloc, the economic community of West Africa states, ECOWAS, threatens full military intervention. Newland reportedly asked to see Bazoom, who has remained in detention, a request which was denied. It was difficult today, and I'll be straight up about that, she admitted, confirming that Washington is unlikely to get its way in Niger. They're just setting this whole thing up. Niger's new self-declared defense chief, General Musa Salou Barmou, was among the junta officials Newland met with. Interestingly, Newland confirmed he had previously received military training from elite American operatives. What did I tell you? We made you. It's always how it works. We made you. Yet another irony and failure of U.S. foreign policy. General Barmu, former Colonel Barmu, is somebody who has worked very closely with U.S. Special Forces over many, many years. Many, many years. So we're able to go through considerable detail the risks to aspects of our cooperation. These historically cared a lot about a lot. So we are hopeful that will sink in. The Intercept, that's Glenn Greenwald right there, the Intercept. It also previously confirmed this in its reporting. The heart of darkness visits Africa. What did I say yesterday? Right? This is visions of Vietnam, Joseph Conrad, 
heart of darkness and of course oh i guess glenn greenwald left the intercept is that right didn't he leave that they kicked him out anyway the heart of darkness visits africa mr kurtz he dead a penny for the old guy colonel kurtz look at that so the middle of victoria the hut Paid a visit to Niger. Bear in mind that an unknown number of PMC Wagner forces are already there and are at least advising the leaders of the coup. She said we were left to have to depend on Mr. Barmu to make clear again what is at stake. Among her chief messages conveyed to the junta leaders included a warning not to cooperate with Russia's Wagner group. Now, okay, the Wagner group is the wild card. They're attacking Moscow. They're not attacking Moscow. They're living in Belarus. They're not in Belarus. The Wagner group has, has now become Al-Qaeda. Am I right? The Wagner group is Al-Qaeda. Um, now we got new boogeymen out there. Oh, it's that Wagner group. It's the same script the same script we, and you can't even figure out which side this Wagner group theoretically is on whoever they are of course they have to bring in Wagner and you know what is a popular Wagner reference in cipher it's the helicopter scene from apocalypse now where they played march of the valkyries on the helicopters as they descend into the village of the Viet Cong. Apocalypse now, hearts of darkness. Well, Wagner is active in Mali and other West Africa, Central Africa. How many people does the Wagner group have? I wonder if I can join the Wagner group. What do you think? Do you think they could use an astrologer? Wagner group hires American astrologer. In a strange twist, of post-alternative media culture, the Wagner Group has hired an astrologer from Texas. I raise Wagner and its threat to those countries where word is present, reminding them that security gets worse, that human rights get worse when Wagner enters. Neocon talking points. Who knows? They probably fucking run Wagner. Yeah, I mean, this is how the world works, right? I mean, we, what you see is a lot of kabuki, and sometimes these families are on the same team, and sometimes they're not. Just don't miss your payment. Don't forget they're 2% or they're 3% or they're 5% out of your cut. That's probably why Hunter Biden's always looking for money, because whatever he's getting is getting chewed up by the other people that want a percentage of it. Not just the big guy. There are other big guys that are part of that pie. People don't talk about it, but it's true. Days ago, the State Department made it clear that it saw no evidence of Russia being in any way behind President Bazoom's ouster. Some of the West have still alleged it, but clearly Russia is watching and maneuvering. On at least the diplomatic front, Burkina Faso has sided with the coup in Niger, so it is a coup. Putin has reopened the Russian embassy in Burkina Faso for the first time 
in 31 years. There are no NBA players from Burkina Faso. There's no running backs from Burkina Faso. Remember Christian Okoye, the Nigerian nightmare? Remember him? Hakeem Olajuwon shows up. Hadn't played a whole lot of basketball. Sure played some soccer. Uh, not from Burkina Faso. If Nigeria comes under attack from ECOWAS nations, it is likely that an official pact with Wagner would be reached in that scenario. Over the weekend, Al Jazeera reported Nigeria's coup generals have asked for help from the Russian mercenary group Wagner. Didn't, he, didn't Wagner try to like invade Moscow? Forget that. So I guess Wagner was done in Ukraine and they needed to be deployed elsewhere. So let's get on a plane and go down to Africa. The request came during a visit by a coup leader, General Salufu Modi, to neighboring Mali, where he made contact with someone from Wagner. Vasim Nasir, a journalist and senior research fellow at the Sufan Center, and told the Associated Press, Africans, this woman is not your friend. That's been mildly. All this sets the stage for a possible Cold War 2.0 in Africa, where the U.S. and its allies vie for influence against Moscow, Russia, will in turn continue presenting itself as anti-imperialist while highlighting historic Western greed and encroachment on the continent. This also, uh, as Nigeria's junta, has severed ties with France and rumors that it's supporting a military intervention to restore a constitutional government. That's France, by the way. You know, one of the things that I talked about is that uh, the Soviets were deeply enmeshed in what was going on in Africa during the 1970s. These guys who took over these countries, like Robert Mugabe, they were they were freaking Marxists, right? Marxists and Maoists. This is nothing new. This is just the next wave of um, influence and intervention. And again, one of the most famous examples was Angola, because you had Angola engaged in the Civil War. And um, the Americans had the CIA in Angola. And they were working with the South Africans. And then the Russians called them the Cubans, and the Cubans went to Angola. And the, the CIA and uh, the South Africans got sacked in Angola because of security leaks on one of their quote-unquote offensives, and they got, they got ambushed. It was bad news. And that was, that was the turning point. And it, it, so they've been there for a while. Like all these, like France Fanon. He's a fucking Marxist, right? He's a total Marxist, and he was the revolutionary spirit and voice of Africa and decolonization. They're, they're all, they were all trained at, at, at uh, the greatest universities in Europe. Europe, you know, I hate to say this about Europe, but they're responsible for their own demise in a lot of ways. I mean, they're the ones that, that fostered this idea of socialism, Marxism, communism. They're not all the same, by the way. They're, they're, they're various degrees of a flavor, right? Like you could have 
a vanilla latte or a mocha latte or um, a cinnamon pumpkin latte. There's still lattes, but there are various flavors of it, right? That's so there's things that connect them, but you can get a Marxist and you can get a Leninist and they're different, or you can get a Marxist and you can get a Stalinist and they're different. They're just different. They're different. They're, they're, they're going. And that's the one thing about communism that in a lot of ways ensures its own failure because there's brand loyalty. There's brand loyalty within the brand. And, and there are certain people that don't like certain brands inside of there. Um, but that's what Europe has sponsored. You know, all the great universities of Europe. Once the, once the nationalists, you know, I guess the, the great nationalist of Europe was, was really um, uh, the guy from Spain, Franco, right? Was that Franco from Spain? He he was the great nationalist. He kept that fucking country, uh, Ferdinand Frank, under lock and key. He put down the Marxist rebellion, hardcore, and he didn't let up. Once he died, they're like, yeah, okay, let's have some elections, and um, let's let's uh, let's let's vote for some socialists. Just couldn't wait. Got to try on got to try on the new clothes. So Europe is complicit in a lot of ways in their own demise. And I hate to say it, but it's true. Just like we'll be complicit in our own demise because we've, we've brought these corrupt and um, destructive ideologies into our, our schools started with the universities. Now it's just trickling down and we're seeing the end result of it. We're seeing people that hate the country, hate their parents, hate everything except the thing that they're told not to hate which is usually the most despicable and irreproachable uh subjects and 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 uh, causes that they can find like the most toxic and radioactive causes the ones that you don't want to get next to those are the ones they'll champion they will champion those causes it makes sense, right? It makes total sense because it has to be defined. And the, the more that we define this nature of so-called reality in clear black and white terminology, and we know there's some gray areas with life, but the more that we define it in those kinds of ways, like abortion, bad, child trafficking, bad, those are baseline kinds of bad, you know, uh, and then you can just kind of go up from those places, right? Um, child trafficking, child sacrifice, abortion, baseline bad. And then the other side, oh, well, you know, abortion's good. I'm going to celebrate my abortion. Oh, and kids, are you kidding me? Five years old, they're sexual, man. They're sexual. They, they, they know what they want. There's studies that prove it, right? So the, the more that the, the case for morality is defined, the more that the other side redefines their anti-morality and doubles down and triples down. This is clearly what we're seeing here. And so then we have the boomerang effect back to the other side, which is like, okay, well, we're going we're gonna to 
we're going to remind you how venal, corrupt, and you know, sinful in the eyes of God this is. This is where we are right now, right? But we created it. We created by allowing it to happen. And there are a lot of people inside of the media, um, religion, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that have allowed this. They've enabled it. And this is how we got here. You know, I was watching a sports stream last night. This guy, Damon Bruce, whom I really, really like. Uh, he's funny. He's smart. He used to be on Bay Area Radio. And uh, I was watching his show last night. And he was talking to, I don't know if you guys thought, we're going to get into this over on the uh, new sports show, Serious Sports. But the the landscape of college football and college sports is just exploding. I mean, it's literally like somebody dropped a bomb inside of college sports. And it's called the transfer portal uh, and then NIL, name, image, and likeness, which is basically turning college sports into a, a semi-pro league, particularly football. So what's happened is that there is a league called the PAC. It used to be the PAC-8. Then it became the PAC-10. Then it became the PAC-12. And had powerhouse schools, USC, UCLA, Washington, Oregon, uh, Stanford, uh, Cal. I mean, then they took on the two Arizona schools. And then they took on um, Utah State and Colorado. Well, guess what? UCLA, USC, Oregon, and Washington, they're all part of the Big 12 now, or the the used to be the Big 10. So they're going to be playing games against Rutgers and Michigan and Michigan State, right? Like these two power schools on the West Coast after this year are going to not even play teams in the Pac-12 anymore. And then you have... Arizona and Arizona State, they've now joined the Southwest Conference. And I believe Utah State and Colorado have as well. At least four teams. Oregon State, um, University of Oregon, right? No, Oregon State. Oregon State, the Beavers. Washington State, the Cougars. Cal Berkeley, the Bears. And Stanford, the, uh, the Cardinal. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up, is because he did a show on Cal and why Cal has suffered with bridging academics and sports, whereas other schools have not. Cal Berkeley, if you look at the donor list of Cal Berkeley, it's, I mean, the alumni are fucking rich. And they have Robert, their, their sports program is $450 million in debt. They have Robert Reich, who's like this genius economist. You think he might be able to figure this out. But people are are wringing their hands because, you know, Cal is is going to be left behind. I'll tell you right now, the administration at Cal doesn't give a shit about sports. They they don't. You know, they're baked in the cake. Social Marxists at Cal. Nobody in the Bay Area realizes this. The Bay Area is so they're like Tommy. They're deaf, dumb, and blind. By the way, I figured out Tommy. 
I'll get back to Cal. Let me tell you, let me tell you about Tommy. I'm skipping around a bit, but Tommy, the rock opera by the Who, is about Pete Townsend being molested as a kid. That's what Tommy's about. So if you if you follow the movie, right, there's a character in Tommy called Uncle Ernie, who I believe is played by Keith Moon. And Tommy, who is really Pete Townsend, got molested by Uncle Ernie. And he couldn't tell anybody about it. Deaf, dumb, and blind. He couldn't tell anybody about it. And what did he do to work off the angst of his molestation? He went to the arcade and played pinball. That's what he did. So that's what Tommy's about. Just giving you a little sidetrack there. Um, but that's the that's that's the Bay Area. They're deaf dumb. They don't. It's like I guess when you're a fish in a fish tank and swimming around, you don't know you're in a fish tank. You're just in the fish tank, and that's what it's like in the Bay Area. They're just swimming around, and they look at Cal and they wring their hands. Well, gee, you know, academics and sports can go hand in hand. No, they fucking hate sports. They hate what it stands for. Unless, of course, one of their women winds up with the women's U.S. national soccer team. Of course, oh, we love, we love sports. It's so good, for, so good for the gals. No, they hate sports. I, you know, and I lived, in, I lived in the Bay Area. And at a certain point, there was, there was a tipping point. The tipping point was when Trump became president. And you couldn't you couldn't even have people like Peter Bogosian. And Peter Bogosian is not a conservative. He is not religious. He is an atheist, and he's really kind of a Socratic philosopher more than anything. And they wouldn't even allow him to speak on campus. Right? That's when you do when when you have a lockdown like that, when the student body is dictating the terms and conditions to the administration the chancellors it's over it's over right they they now run the school and cal doesn't give a shit about sports and again people are hand-wringing about the oakland a's oh john fisher he's such a cheap fucking owner you know the city of oakland made all these concessions did they really City of Oakland has all these people who are on their board of supervisors. You go through the list. I'm not going to go through it now, but I've done it. None of those people would be considered baseball fans or even sports fans. But if they're sports fans, they might they might like the WNBA. They might support the WNBA. By the way, I, I predict that, that Oakland will get a WNBA team. It'll be perfect for them. Um, but again, why? Why why are the A's moving? It's the demographics of the East Bay that's been completely infiltrated from Cal to Berkeley, right? The 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 city itself to the city of Oakland. Alameda County, slightly different because there are parts of Alameda County that are a little more conservative than uh like you have a pretty strong uh, Indian population when you get into places like um, Hayward, right? 
I think Fremont what county is Fremont. There's a ton of there's a ton of Indians in, in Fremont. Um, but this is why sports in the Bay Area are failing. People don't understand it, right? It it is this pro-Marxist agenda. And that's why the country's failing. And we and we let and we let it get here. Not that there weren't a number of us talking about it or bringing it up in our own particular ways. But we were asleep at the wheel. You know, some of us at times navel gazed, but other times said politics suck. Corrupt, venal, I want nothing to do with it. So when you have that, then what happens? You, you're given the keys to the hens, uh, to the to the foxes in the hen house, right? I mean, this is, now everything is politics because everybody's trying to make up for lost time. And it's, it's, it's actually quite weary in a lot of ways. It's like, now that the war is here, you know, it's like, okay, now we got to defend ourselves. And some of us saw it coming, but there wasn't, you know, I got into a lot of this with the, when Obama was president. And that was a really difficult time. Because, I mean, in some ways, it was it was good because it clearly defined what I was doing, both on this side and on the astrological side. So it was like, I'm not going to get any people that are going to misconstrue uh, my content for something that they think that they'd be looking for. That was fine. But... The, it was very difficult to have voices during that that period and talk about these things. Really, really difficult. It was it was almost like this um, Munchausen by proxy syndrome that was going on during that time. And it's only now that we can um, sort of address the uh, the historical record in a lot of ways. Anyway, uh, Putin now is going to forgive the debt to Africa. So let's take a look at that. It's in the headline. I need to cover it. Vladimir Putin says the Russian government has written off $23 billion debt burden of African countries. It's from Vanguard News. So I did the math on that. There are 54 African countries. And if you divide that by 23 billion or 23 billion by 54, it comes out to roughly roughly $425 million per country. Now, of course, some countries are going to have more debt than others. Like I'm sure that may be, uh, oh, I don't know. Um, Ethiopia might have more debt than, say, Burkina Faso or Djibouti. Just saying, right? It's uh, you, but if you average it out, it's four hundred twenty-five million dollars per country. Four hundred twenty-five million dollars. That's nothing. That's probably what Elon Musk makes in a year. He might he may make more than that in a year. It's nothing. Nothing. But the spirit of it is good. I understand it. Uh and I've I've always thought that the that the West, the World Bank, 
the IMF should forgive this debt. Just forgive the fucking debt. They're never going to pay it back. They don't have the ways and means. You you hook them into an onerous contract when you gave them the money that they defaulted on. Just forgive the debt. Zero it out. Relieve them of their financial burden. And then work with them in a very different kind of way. Well, they'll do that, but they'll do it under the auspices of the World Economic Forum. Now, here's what I posit, and it's already starting to happen. There are going to be countries that are going to default on their debt. It's the way it is. It's going to happen. Some of them are already doing it. You're going to see more of it. So as they default on their debt, what is the World Bank or the um, IMF going to do? They're going to send troops into all these countries to commandeer the resources that they already have through these multinational conglomerates that are there to tap into the resources and then have them for perpetuity. So this is all about bricks. This is all about bricks. So Putin did it in August. Actually did it in July. So this is um, a, a kind of old news. Well, I guess that's what you want to do, right? If you want to get them on your side. Because this is what's going to happen. I talked about this last week with BRICS. That Brazil, BRICS has a consensus-based system it means everybody has to agree. If you have one holdout, you can't move forward unless that one holdout um, comes to the table and you agree with that one holdout. Can't move forward. So here's what I think. Uh, I think that they did this in order to massage this one-to-one a consensus referendum because Brazil is clearly saying, look, we're bringing all of this to the table. We're not Djibouti. The vote for Djibouti and the vote for Brazil is not an equal vote and consensus. So by doing this, I think what, what Putin is trying to do, and they're all in agreement, Modi's in agreement and, and uh, Xi's in agreement, that they're they're trying to figure out how to, I would say, fractionalize their vote, right? So, for instance, instead of, uh, this is the hard part right here. This is the part, it's like herding cats. But this is where all 54, it would be like a sub-brick. That's what, that's what they're going to do here outside of South Africa. They'll do a sub-brick, and those countries will have one voting block. Right, but all those countries are going to have to be in consensus with their own votes. That's what's going to happen. Brixa, we'll call it Brixa. It's already Brix. We'll throw the A in there for Africa. Brixa. So that way, now all of a sudden you add them all up. Oh yeah, outside of South Africa, which has a shit ton of gold. Let's not forget about that. Outside of South Africa, Brazil says, okay, now we're approached. Now we're having a conversation here. 
So that that's why they're there. That's why he essentially, that's why he did it. I mean, there are other kind of domino effects, whoever, and again, whoever Putin is at this point, the, um, the figurehead known as Putin has forgiven the debt. So now we've got Newland and Putin and this rivalry between the neocons and the Russians. And what's odd is that the neocons were kind of in there, right? They were kind of in there with Stalin. They were kind of in there with Stalin. They, they, that's where they come from. Actually, the neocons, if you really want to know where they came from, they're Trotskyites. And a lot of them were in Mexico, and then they eventually migrated to the United States. Once Trotsky was assassinated, was killed, they're like, we got to get the fuck out of here. So it's an ongoing, standing rivalry. And um, Stalin hated Trotsky. It's just, it's just weird. It's it's like these blood feuds, clans. It reminds me of the episode of Madman where uh, P. Campbell gets into a shouting match with another Scott. Uh, it was the McGregors and how the Campbells snuck in and killed the McGregors while the McGregors were sleeping. And he got denied access for his kid to go to a private school because the guy making the decision was a McGregor. And then Pete winds up slapping him in the face. <laughs> it's kind of like that, right? These blood feuds, they're, they're kind of hard to settle over time. Anyway, um, that's where we are. And it, the Africa thing is not going away. It's not going away. All right. There's a few other things I wanted to cover today. I'm not going to do um, an incredibly long show. But there are a couple things out that I wanted to cover. And some of them are pretty newsworthy items. So Trump apparently has subpoena power over the Jan 6 stuff. And they destroyed all the records about that. So this is from the real Donald Trump. Leave this on Gab. So now that I have full subpoena power because of the freedom of speech sham indictment by crooked Joe Biden, deranged Jack Smith and the DOJ, it has been reported that the unselect January 6th committee of political hacks and thugs, this is pure Trump, by the way, has illegally destroyed their records and documents. This is unthinkable, and the fake political indictment against me must be withdrawn immediately. The system is rigged and corrupt, very much like the presidential election of 2020. We are a nation in decline. Well, Trump, if anything, is good at banging the talking points that are relevant to his case. But it's true. Now he's got subpoena power, and they destroyed everything. absolutely destroyed everything period what is going on in hawaii there's a huge fire in maui wow do you guys see this just saw this 
much of historic Lahaina believed destroyed as huge wildfires since people fleeing into water. All right, we're getting some uh, Uranus, Uranus and Taurus action here. Let's watch this. If you look really close on this video, it gives you a sense of how much of Lahaina is burning tonight. Um, you know, Lahaina runs along the coastline, north to south, but the area you see glowing there, that is really the heart of Lahaina Town. That's where the big banyan that's where the library is. That's where all the shops are along Front Street there, right along the ocean, all the art galleries and the, the cool tourist spots, uh, all right there, just uh, Mackay of the highway and the bypass. And the wind, of course, is coming over the mountains and then whipping down toward the ocean, the typical trade wind direction, but with the uh, high pressure just ramping it up to 60 miles an hour plus. And no fire crew has a chance against a fire that big with the winds that strong. And especially considering our beloved fire crews out there have been up since the wee hours. There were already brush fires before the sun came up. They've been at it all day long. We spoke to Alan Dickar, who owns a business in Lahaina, and he watched the flames engulf the buildings as he rushed to safety. Here's what he had to say. I had to evacuate because of that fire and just got to Kahului, so I have service. That's why it just got posted. So that was this afternoon around probably 4.30. Look at this shit. Um, in bright sunshine, blue sky, but you couldn't tell from that video. That was taken from Front Street, right near the corner of Dickinson, which is and looking down at the main business district in Lahaina. And buildings on both sides were engulfed. I think on the right, the building that you see where the second-story balcony is completely in flames, I think that's where Lahaina Pizza Company is. Uh, it might have, that might be Lahaina Law, but I think it was Lahaina Pizza Company. And on the other side, the buildings towards the end of that row right before the ocean walk were completely engulfed. And it, I have another picture where you see the sign just suddenly burst into flames and the, you realize is like the fire just shoots out. Um, and there were no fire trucks at that point. I think the fire department was already overwhelmed with other fires nearby. And because uh, this is the main, that is the most important business street in, on Maui. I saw quite a few ambulances during while I was evacuating. I don't know about any specific injuries. I do know that uh, quite a few houses burned. I own several houses, and I know that one of them caught fire. I am still trying to track down all my tenants to make sure that everybody's safe. Um, I don't know if any of my houses are still standing because they, they're all in the area where, they, like, I couldn't get back to them because the smoke was so thick. And um, I don't know, you know, I, am, I hope there are no fatalities and no serious injuries, but I would not be surprised if people got seriously hurt. This happened quickly. There was no warning because there, it was a bad windstorm that started last night. And um, there's, I know that Ainanalu, which is a kind of a resort that where you know people own condos and rent them out, that the roof had blown off. Trees from that property had blown onto one of my properties. And one of my tenants had told me about that and then came running back a little later in tears because that my house, she said my house 
was now on fire because Ainalu was on fire and it had come across the trees. Um, so I don't know. So and if Ainalu was on fire, that's a big deal because they that they were had to evacuate a lot of people. I know that they were evacuating some of the um, uh, like homeless shelters and public assistance things. A lot of people have evacuated, and we don't have a sure number or official number of exactly how many people uh, are in those shelters at this hour. But we want to show you a list that we've compiled of the shelters that are open and up and running, uh, thanks to the American Red Cross. Uh, those shelters are at the Hannibal Tavares Community Center, the Maui Prep Academy, Kihei Community Center, Maui High School Gym, and the War Memorial Gym as well. New information now from the Maui County Fire Department. One of the blazes they're working on is in Kula, upcountry Maui, uh, and they are now advising immediate proactive evacuation of residents on Upper Kimo Drive. Upper Kimo Drive, that's right off of Haleakala Highway. It intersects with it actually. Uh, headed so this just got on my radar um, late last night. And I don't know um, what caused it. I don't know if it was volcanic in nature, um, but man, that is really heavy. Really heavy. Um, I guess the power is out there. That's, I mean, that's, a, I've been to that town. Uh, let's see. Just trying to get some more information. If you, we're listening on the uh, podcast. Uh, the the place is engulfed in flames. This is one of the big big tourist centers in um, in Maui, and these are super winds that are that are uh, carrying this fire. And it's apparently it's not just on Maui, but it's on other islands in the uh, Hawaiian island chain. The power was out. Holy shit. Here's what's interesting. Apparently, the name Lahaina means cruel sun. And the, so the sun and the radiation factor, the sun is kind of off the charts. I, I, that crossed my radar as well. A lot of old wood. That's true. That's true. I guess Mick Fleetwood lives on uh, Maui and Lahaina. That's heavy. Pretty devastating. Man. Looks like the city's completely destroyed. Wow, wow, wow. Let me see if I can find the, uh, the sun stuff. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. So did you know that Melania is not in the U.S. anymore? I didn't know that. Right, let me, let me, uh, let me connect the Maui thing with the sun. Here we go. So space.com. 
this is three days ago. And I'm not saying this is the reason why, but let's pay attention. Sun blasts out highest energy radiation ever recorded, raising questions for solar physics. Sun and Leo, three days ago in the Lion's Gate, in a record-breaking discovery, scientists detected our very own sun emitting an extraordinary amount of gamma rays, wavelengths of light known to carry the most energy of any wavelength in the electromagnetic spectrum. This is quite a big deal as it marks the highest energy radiation to ever be documented coming from our planet's host star, something like 1 trillion electron volts to be exact. After looking at six years worth of data, out popped this excess of gamma rays. Mayor Unisa, a postdoctoral research associate at Michigan State University and co-author of a new paper about the findings released Wednesday. When we first saw it, we were like, we definitely messed this up. The sun cannot be this bright at these energies. Upon deliberation, however, the team realized that such brightness definitely exists. That it was simply due to the sheer amount of gamma rays the sun seemed to be spitting out. The sun is more surprising than we knew. Before you start worrying, no, these rays can't harm us. Oh, really? What they can do is have a pretty important ripple effect for the future of solar physics. Isn't that nice? Uh, I don't think we know nearly enough about what the sun can do. And even if they did know, would they even tell us? They wouldn't unless it was part of an agenda, in which case they would tell us something. It may not even be true. Anyway, I'm not saying that the radiation of the sun created the fires in Maui. But that said, the sun is brutal. It's brutal. It's not the same sun that we used to frolic in in days of yore and years gone by. It's not the same sun. Now it's like, okay, let me survive this trip from the car to wherever it is I'm going. Now, if you're out there for a while, you will get acclimated to it. So probably the better thing to do is spend more time in it than, than not so that when you are out there, it's like these guys that work on the side of the road here in Texas. They, they deserve a fucking medal, those dudes. Like crazy, but they have gear for it. They have cooling gear. But still, at the end of the day, it's like working on the surface of Venus. It's that fucking hot. Anyway, there you go. The heat is turned up. The heat is turned up in uh, many different directions on many different levels. The heat is on. Don't worry, I'm not going to play that. All right, I'm out of here for today. So thanks for being here. And you know the drill about True Hemp. I've not tried their products. Please do. TrueHempScience.com. They're a sponsor of the show. Type in 15MINS if you spend $100 or more, and you'll get free product. And you will be happy you got the free product. It's like Christmas. $150 or more gets you free shipping. And there's always a 30-day money-back guarantee. TrueHempScience.com. Check it out. All right.
Use your head in order to discern what's real. Your heart to say what's possible. Shataria, big love, big hug. Hope you had a good day today. Um, hope you'll have a better day as the show ends. And not that the show was part of your bad day, but hey, look, we're always looking to upgrade, right? Here's your upgrade moment. Take good care. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Bye for now.
And then the other piece was that they wanted him to be uh, given an autopsy by the D.C. police. Well, of course, you have Muriel Bowser, who's the mayor of D.C., right? Who I think is probably very much an Obama ally and could, you know, run their own kind of coroner operation, just like the Clintons did out of, Alabama, out of Arkansas with their absolutely corrupt coroner. So there's all kinds of, again, really weird shit and questions that have not been answered. And nobody on the mainstream media is covering this. They're just going to kind of go, oh, how unfortunate, right? But what's happened since then? Well, guess what? Devin Archer sang like a canary. He sang like a canary. You know, I keep looking for the little bluebird on Twitter, and I have to remember that it's a fucking X now. Uh, let's see. Right here. Right here. So Devin Archer testified yesterday. They were going to arrest him. He's already fucking prison. Devin Archer's provided the last piece of the puzzle. The Republican House, this is from Vernon Jones. I guess he's running for governor of uh, Georgia. Republican House must not worry about the Senate not doing the right thing in convicting President Biden, nor should the House GOP be concerned about the injustice of the Justice Department, the lack of the investigation by the FBI, or the 2024 election results do the right thing proceed with the impeachment inquiry. So he's in trouble, right? He is in trouble. Devin Archer basically said that the big guy is Joe Biden. He's He was in on calls. They were there doing government business. He was vice president of the United States. It's corruption. This is from Miranda Devine. I guess she's from what the New York Post. Uh, the DOJ is trying to arrest Devin Archer just ahead of the bombshell testimony Monday about Joe Biden's involvement in the Sun Hunters Ukraine business when he was VP, U.S. Attorney in the Southern District of New York. Damian Williams issued a menacing letter yesterday telling Judge Abrams to order Archer to go to jail immediately to serve a one year sentence for his fraud conviction. Didn't happen. He testified. He testified. This is from July 30th. Oh, look, they're golfing. Hunter Biden. This is from um, 23rd of July. Put then VP dad Joe on the phone with business associates at least two dozen times. Ex-partner Devin Archer to testify. He did. He did. 
They tried to, they tried to jail him up. Got it. He got it out. God, the Southern district of New York is so fucking corrupt. That's this thing is significant, right? So that's, this happened, but keep in mind now, this happened in the vacuum or, or, or I'll call it a vacuum of the event at the Obamas. I think Obama is compromised. Like, I think, I think he can do things, but something, something significant has happened here. And as much as he's been radioactive at times, maybe in the past, um, I feel like, like this is super kryptonite. This isn't just your regular standard issue crypt. This is super kryptonite. So you've got that. That happened. Um, again, just days afterwards, the judge basically, and this is interesting in terms of the timing. They knew that this stuff with Devin Archer was going to come out. And so Hunter Biden's team said, well, the plea deal is blanket immunity, right? Like, like we'll testify and we'll plead guilty as long as we get blanket immunity for anything, including this. And it was denied. That's on the heels of the whole Obama event. So that's two major strikes against Hunter Biden. And you have to wonder if that would have happened if Obama had not been compromised on some level. I you may think, well, they don't give a shit. They don't care about Biden. They'll just get Harris in there. I don't really fully agree with that. Then this came out as well, that Ashley Biden finally admitted to the fact that that indeed was her diary. That that was her. And it's weird, right? Because the Ashley Biden diary was considered to be stolen. And Project Veritas got a hold of it. And then you have the Hunter Biden laptop, which was left at the, uh, more than one, left left at the laptop repair. What is it with the Biden kids leaving shit behind? It's kind of like they have an unconscious desire to be found out. You know, sometimes people do things unconsciously or subconsciously. And they want their absolute worst fears and worst nightmares exposed. So now it's been, now it's official. Yeah, that's her, that's her diary. Because there was, there was a period where it was denied, 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 even though she wanted it back. And supposedly the people that stole it, which I guess was part of the uh, Project Veritas team. I don't think they stole it. They acquired it, which is different. So you start to add these things up. And these, like, I'm telling you, the wall is going to come down here. And, and I'm not saying that it is a panacea for deliverance. I mean, just like when the Berlin Wall came down, it led to other things that became much more problematic in some ways. Like, this was its own problem. But once the wall came down, the EU moved forward. And look at look at what's happened. So... Just keep this in mind, right? Because these things are happening. And 
Biden has taken on water in a big way. But then what happens as a result of it? Be careful what you wish for. Now, and I'm not saying that that won't turn out high, strange, and weird, because more than likely, due to the times we're in, it will. But um, in a time where there's unintended consequences, those unintended consequences, I think, can be uh, equally as strange and damaging as the ones that are intended. All right. I wouldn't call it hopium. It's not hopium. I'm just seeing like what's going on. And then we're kind of looking into how this thing has unfolded and will continue to unfold in what I would call a very compromised situation at the White House because the global brain has been compromised. And uh, we'll just keep finding out here on this, on this Aquarian full moon. And uh, who knows what else will be exposed. All right. Thanks for being here. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of 15 Minutes of Flame. Uh, True Hemp Science. Got to mention our sponsor, some of the best hemp products that you can get and use for your body. Go to truehempscience.com. Type in 15 minutes. It's 1-5-M-I-N-S. When you buy $100 a product or more, and you'll get free product. Think about that. $150 gives you free shipping, and there's always a 30-day money-back guarantee. TrueHempScience.com, the one and only sponsor of this show. All right, we'll be back tomorrow. The special guest. You see, I didn't tell you who the guest is. I know who the guest is, and you'll find out tomorrow. And we're going to break down RFK on Jimmy Dore. It'll be fun. All right, use your head in order to discern what's real. Your heart, two seconds what's possible. I'm Robert Phoenix, and... uh Take good care. Chatari, you're the best. Bye.